Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along with Justin Tanafrio, and we got a busy show. I mean, uh, we got a big, uh, big week in college football. Uh, we got uh, MLB just handed out their awards. Uh, Alex Cora is going back to the Red Sox. Uh, unfortunately, Tom Izzo uh, came down with COVID. But we're going to start with uh, week 10 of the NFL season. We got a big, big uh, NFC South matchup on a Thursday night as the uh, Colts travel to Tennessee to face the uh, to face the Titans. And this is this is a game, you know, two pretty good teams going at it. Uh, but here's the thing. The way the matchup looks, it looks like the Colts match up really, really well with the Titans. The Titans run the ball well. The Colts stop the run really well. They're third in the league in stopping the run. The Titans can't get out the field on third down. The Colts got a great offensive line. So they should really, obviously, really good offensive line. So they should be able to convert on third down. But the difference in this game is the two quarterbacks. Even though Ryan Tannehill hasn't played well recently, the last couple of weeks, he right now he is a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers. And in this game, I think that Ryan Tannehill is going to make plays. He's going to get the ball to A.J. Brown. He's going to make enough plays. But the reason why the Titans win this game is I think Phillip Rivers makes some big mistakes. I think he has two or three, a couple turnovers. Uh, The Titans have a couple short fields. They benefit off that. And and in this game, it's going to be a close competitive game. I'm going to take the team with the better quarterback. I'm going to take the Titans over the Colts 23-17. Yeah, I got the Titans as well at home, 24-20 victory. Um, Yeah, the quarterback matchup definitely in favor of the Titans. I don't know if you saw some of Phil Rivers' throws last week, but every time it seemed like he was blaming his wide receivers, even though he was 20, nowhere near any wide receivers. Um, but, yeah, you know, the Titans were better last week on third down. I think they held the Bears like 2-12. and 12. Um, You know, I know it's not a great Bears offense, but, you know, Seth Deeves played a little bit better last week. They're not getting any pressure on Rivers, so he's going to have some time. But still, I don't I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Phil Rivers is going to make a couple mistakes. And I think it's going to benefit Tennessee in getting a couple uh, opportunities in a short field, and they should get the win at home. We got a big NFC East matchup on Sunday, and it's weird to say it's a big NFC East matchup because of the two teams' records. I mean, the Giants are 2-7, and seven, the Eagles are 3-4-1, and one, but this is a big match. It's a big game, and Giants want to get revenge from what happened a couple weeks ago on Thursday night when they had that 11-point lead with six minutes to go, and the Eagles came back to beat them. So this is and, and and for a Giants fan, it's a 50-50 game, but it's a, obviously it's a, it's a must-win game. I mean, this is the last stand if the Giants want to do anything this season. It's crazy that with the record they have, that they still are playing a game that actually means something. But it does because if they win this game, they are a game out of first place. But if they lose, their their season is over. And I think honestly, if they lose this game because there's a bye week next week, they ought to just fire Dave Gettleman because because honestly, I think he should be fired at the end of the season. Uh, she should be fired at the end of the season. But for the game, I think that this is a really, really close competitive game. On offense, I think what the Giants are going to do, the Eagles, here's the thing about the Eagles. They have a good front four, but they have a pathetic linebacking court. So I think what the Giants are going to do on offense is a lot of reverses, a lot of a lot of end arounds, a lot of design runs for Daniel Jones to attack those Eagles linebackers, confuse them, and and that's a way to move the ball. And also, I think I think that, uh, that uh, Daniel Jones will be able to get the ball to Sterling Shepard. Shepard, Golden Tate will be back this week. Austin Mack and even Darius Slayton. Uh, two of those, two or three of those four guys have a pretty good game against the Eagles secondary, which outside of Darius Slay is not very good. So I think the Giants move the ball. And also, I do think Carson Wentz is going to turn the ball over a couple times. His game against, he, they won the game against Dallas, but he did not play well against Dallas at all. And Brett Favre this week made comments and said if the Eagles stuck with Nick Foles, they would be better off. So 
there Carson Wentz is still struggling, and I think he struggles in this game. I think he, he makes some. I think he makes some turnovers. He does. Have, I think he has some big plays against the Giants secondary, which gave up a couple big plays against the Redskins. But I do think Carson Wentz has some turnovers in this game. Giants get a couple short fields. This is a very close, competitive NFC's battle. But I'm going to go with my Giants, and I got my Giants winning it, 27-23 over the Eagles. I got the Eagles winning this one on the road, 23 to 19. Do you know both quarterbacks this year are combined for 29 turnovers? That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. And and don't there'll probably be some turnovers on Sunday. I wouldn't oh, be surprised. Yeah. yeah, I would not be either. Um, you know, Eagles coming off the bye. Yeah, the Giants definitely should have won last time. Yeah, it's a great point by Joe. And that happened twice on Sunday with, with Cam Sims and Terry, the big play to Cam Sims before the half and the big play to Terry McLaurin. Uh, that, that happened on Sunday. Yep, them sitting in zone and they got and they were susceptible to big plays and, and that's what happened. That was the that was the reason why the Redskins got back in that game. So I mean they just yeah, they, they and, and against a team like the Redskins, you probably still could have played man coverage there, even though you were up you were up uh, 17 points. You know, obviously that yeah, that obviously was the biggest reason why they got a uh, the, the, the Redskins came back and almost won that game. So, yeah, definitely, you know, even if they're up big, stay in man coverage, stay with what's working. Don't just sit in zone. Because even before the half, there was a big play to Cam Sims too. And then uh, then obviously uh, uh, Alex Smith threw the interception to Blake Martinez. So, yeah, definitely the Giants, even if they're even if they're up by a couple scores, still play man – they definitely should still play man coverage in the game. Yeah, and um... – yeah, you know, um, they played well, you know, they forced five turnovers two last week. I know a couple of those, you know, Alex Smith throws weren't great. Um, and obviously, uh, it, Joe made another comment. Williams had a huge, he did have a huge sack, you know, when, when the Redskins were driving there on a three, when, when they were, but yeah, but, but obviously it is, yeah, it's still, it's still risky, you know, to be playing zone, be giving up. You know those big plays. That that's the that's that's the biggest problem right now with the Giants' defense. And if they want to win this game, they can't give up a ton of big plays because if they do, they're they, they will lose this game. Yeah, they will because uh, you know Philly's had some explosiveness. I know Miles Sanders is supposed to be back this week, um, but yeah, I think the Eagles do enough. They were three for eight two the first time in the red zone against the Giants. I think you know. They convert a couple more times. I think the Giants get held to a couple more field goals and touchdowns, and I think the Eagles will pull this one out 23-19. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, Sanders is going to be a big key to this game too. I mean, if the Gi- what the Giants do with Sanders in the run game and in the pass game, and in a way he scares me in the pass game because as good as Blake Martinez is, one of his biggest weaknesses is coverage. So he uh, – because Miles Sanders didn't play in the first game that these two teams that these two teams played. So that definitely scares – Miles Sanders definitely scares me in this game. He's probably the player the Giants have to eliminate the most. They can take their chances to everyone else, even with Carson Wentz, because he's turned the ball over, turned the ball over a ton this year. But Miles Sanders is the one player that, if he has a huge game, especially on the ground, the Giants are going to have a very, very hard time winning this game. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, he's such a great player. Yeah, he, and you, yeah, you said it, he does so much out of the backfield as a pass catcher and a runner, um, and definitely could be tough to stop and uh, um, slow down. Giants definitely could be in trouble if he goes off and has a big day. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got a we got a game in Foxborough Sunday night football this week as the Ravens head to New England to face the Patriots. And we always remember John Harbaugh gave Bill Peck, Bill Belichick trouble even when Brady was around. I mean, this was the one team the Patriots never wanted to play in their heyday when they were when they were a great team. So this week, the way the Ravens are, they're a great team running the ball. 
and the Patriots can't stop the run. So I think in this game, this game is made to order for the Ravens to lead from wire to wire. I think the Ravens, even if Mark Ingram doesn't play, they're going to be able to run the ball with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Lamar Jackson is going to be able to make plays with his legs and with his arm. And for the Patriots, I think they might be able to get some rushing yards. They ran the ball pretty well against the Jets. You know, the Ra- because the Ravens run defense isn't that good, and Calais Campbell might not play. But Cam Newton's going to have a very, very difficult time throwing the ball, especially when you've got corners like Marlon Humphrey, who will be back this week, and you've got Marcus Peters, two of the probably the, the best pair of corners in, in, in the NFL. Uh, they'll probably they'll definitely be pressure on uh, Cam Newton because Wick, Wick Martindale loves to blitz. I think the Ravens win this game, and I think they win it big. I think the, the win the Patriots had over the Jets is fool's gold. They're not a good football team. Ravens are definitely a much better team than the Patriots. I got the Ravens over the Pats, 30-13. to 13. Yeah, I got the Ravens on the road, 27-17. And it would be the first time the Ravens beat New England at New England the regular season. They're all over five right now. And the first time that Belichick and Harbaugh are playing against each other and one of them have a losing record. So just going back, you know, how good these two franchises have been since they've both been in the league. Um yeah, for New England, they had no business winning that game Monday night. Uh, just kind of handed them that game. Jacoby Myers was a nice sight to see, but again, he was wide open pretty much. Every- we'll see how good Jacoby Myers is this yeah. week. He's got to he's got to go up against Merlin Humphrey or, or Marcus Peters, and they're going to play man. You know the Ravens are going to play man, and they're going to blitz. You know that's what they're going to do against the Patriots. We'll see how good he is this week. If he can make a big play against Marcus Peters or Merlin Humphrey, then I'm sold on Jacoby Myers. Right now, I think he's played well, but I'm not sold on him. Yeah, I, I'm not either. You know, this, this is going to be a tough test for him. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to do what he did Monday night. Um, so it was a nice little bright spot, but, yeah, we'll we'll find out a lot about him Sunday night. Um, yeah, for, you know, run defense is struggled. Our defense is um, in a hole that's really struggled the last few weeks. Yeah, because he even saw last week that, you know, even without Gilmore, J.C. Jackson had a terrible game. They weren't really getting pressure on Joe Flacco either. So, yeah, the de- although really the defense as a whole has struggled. Yeah, it has. And I know it's been injuries and it's been opt-outs, but it just doesn't seem like they've gotten better through the week, which is a little bit concerning. And Baltimore last year torched them. So, yeah, it's this is going to be a scary one. I, I maybe baking the score a little bit closer than it probably is going to be, but – yeah, this could be a very long day for the Patriots. I don't see him having the ball much either. You know, I think last year the Ravens had held the ball for like 38 minutes, something that, like that. I, I could see the same thing happening tomorrow or Sunday night. I mean, uh, they're, you know, three and six. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough night for the Patriots. I mean, it's oh, going to be a tough night. Ravens are just, they're just clearly, clearly a much better than the Patriots right now. The, yeah. And then the last thing, you know, because I know the Titans just released Vic Beasley. And I know he's not great. But I'm like, we we need some depth and we need some type of veteran out there. Like I, I, you know, I would love to go pick him up or something. But I don't know. I don't think the Patriots are going to do that. They need somebody like that just to get a veteran on that defense and linebacking core because they're really struggling over in that area. They sure, they absolutely are. They absolutely are. I mean, yeah, their front seven is their front seven has been bad all year, and then even their secondary didn't play well on on uh, Monday night against the Jets. So. It's going to be a really, really tough one for the Pats on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, could get ugly. it sure can. 
Going from uh, Tom Brady's uh, old team to his new team, we got the Buccaneers traveling up to Carolina to face the Panthers. And this was a pretty good game these teams played the first time. It was about about 24-17 going to the fourth quarter. Then Leonard Fournette had that big touchdown run to clinch the game for the Bucs. And this game, I think the I think the Bucs bounce back this week. I think that Tom Brady has has a good week getting the ball to getting the ball to Gronk, getting the ball to you know Evans, A. B. and Godwin. So I think the Buck the the Bucks do a good job moving the ball. I think that Teddy Bridgewater will make some plays on this Tampa Bay secondary with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. But again, they're going to be without Christian McCaffrey, and that's again another big loss for them. McCaffrey's out again, so he'll, be, he'll miss this game too. So I think in this game, I think that Brady makes a ton of plays, but. And it makes makes plays, and then Teddy Bridgewater's not going to be able to keep up. And I got the Bucks beating the Panthers, thirty-one to twenty. Yeah, I got the Panthers. I I think they keep it close. I got the Bucks went on the road, twenty-eight to twenty-four. Um, an absolute annihilation Sunday night. And Breeze wanted to make sure that Brady knew that that is still his division. He still owns that division. Um, I just did not like the. Game plan because they only ran the Bucks only ran the ball five times. Yeah, they, they should they should even though the Saints stopped the run well, they just completely abandoned the running game. Had Brady drop back to throw, they couldn't protect Brady. It just was ter- ter- uh, Sean Payton completely outcoached Bruce Arians. Oh yeah, that big time that 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 was ugly. Biggest loss of Brady's uh, career there. But you know, I, Carolina went on the road, played KC tough. Now you come back home playing a Tampa team. I think you know I like Matt Rule when he's an underdog. Um, and I think they come in this game, even though uh, McCaffrey, I know Mike Davis has been playing well in the backfield for him. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to make enough plays, but I think they slow down pretty enough. Because in the last two weeks, too, Tampa is not looking at all, so I'm not anticipating the Tampa, you know. Again, maybe they come out and play like they did against the Packers. I'm not really anticipating that right now. Um, so I, I think that's why Carolina can keep this game close and they have a, and they have a chance to win it. We got an interconference game at Lambeau Field as the Jaguars travel up to Lambeau to face the Packers. This is going to be a complete blowout. I think Aaron Jones runs wild on the Jaguars. I think Aaron Rodgers has a huge day, huge day throws three or four touchdown passes. And I think on defense, the Jaguar, the the, uh, the Packers get pressure on whoever's playing quarterback for the Jaguars. This is a total blowout. I got the Packers 34-10 over the Jags. Yeah, I get I get the Packers 34-17. This should get ugly. Then um, Texans had a – I mean, Jag, Jaguars had a shot to uh, – you know, tie to get up on two point conversion. They play tough again. If, if James Robinson can get some holes in the running game, you know, I could see the Jaguars and keeping um, Rodgers off the field. I could see the Jaguars keeping it close for a bit, or you know, maybe even to a little bit in the second half. I just think there's no way though that Jacksonville can slow down Aaron Rodgers in that offense. Uh, not a chance they do that. So we got a big AF. We got an AFC matchup in Cleveland as the Texans. Uh, head up to Cleveland to face the Browns. And in this game, I do think the Browns have success running the ball. There's a chance they might get Nick Chubb back this week. They're going to have Kareem Hunt, so they'll, they'll be able to run the ball. Uh, but I think the problem is with the wind expected in Cleveland, 17-mile-an-hour winds, Baker will have some trouble getting the ball to his receivers. He might make a mistake or two. And I think Deshaun Watson has a pretty still has a pretty good game. I think he has a pretty good game against this Cleveland secondary that has struggled. I think he makes plays, gets the ball to Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. This is a close, competitive game. But I do think the Browns outplay them. But I'm going to take the team with the better quarterback. I'm going Houston to upset Cleveland, 24-23. Yeah, this is definitely a game I could see Cleveland losing on Sunday. Um, actually, because I did not know it was going to be that windy. I'm, pro- I'm going to change my score for a bit here, but I still think Cleveland gets a win. Um, I'm going to take Cleveland, 24 to 20. Um, I think you know the way 
I, I think, you know, if they get Chubb back or even if it's just Kareem Hunt, um, I think I think you know the Browns are be able to do enough, keep the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands. I think Miles Garrett could have a huge day in that backfield. Um obviously Texans really struggle to protect Watson. And I I think, you know, I think it's a different Cleveland team. And I think they do come out and get this one at home 24 to 20. The Redskins head out to Detroit to face you – no, know, the, the Washington football team heads out to Detroit to face the uh, Lions this week in a, in, a, in, a, in a game of two teams that are really, really struggling. And we don't know if Matthew Stafford is going to play or not. I think he's going to play. But I don't think it's going to matter for the Lions because I like – even though the Redskins have been losing, they've been competitive. As, as you saw last week, they were down 20-3 to to the Giants at halftime. Old Redskin teams probably lose that game, you know, uh, 27-10. to 10. But – the Redskins competed, and they almost won the game against the Giants. Alex Smith, even though he did have three picks, at times he played well in that game against the Giants. I mean, it's still amazing that Alex Smith is even is able to take the field. I think it's amazing he's, he's, he's able to do that. But in this game, I think, you know, the Redskins running game has struggled. I think with, you know, Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, I think they're able to get a running game. I think, you know, I think Smith will throw a couple, throw a touchdown pass or two to McLaurin or uh, or Cam Sims. And on defense, I think their, def- their defense is going to be able to get pressure on Matthew Stafford and force him to make mistakes. In a close, low-scoring game, I'm going to go with the better coach team. I'm, I got Washington upsetting the uh, Lions 20-17. to 17. Before I get to you, Justin, <laughs> I'll get to Joe's comments. Alex Smith would have beaten the Giants if he had been playing every week. And that's he's 100% right about that. Joe's 100% right about that. About, about that. If, if Smith was playing every week, he definitely would have beaten the Giants. I mean, he had a, he did play a little bit against the Rams, but it was really, really the first time he played, he played, you know, deep into a game. And, he, and, he, and, and yeah, outside of the two interceptions late, he actually played pretty well against the Giants. So Joe's definitely – I'll give Joe that one. I'll, he's definitely right about it. He would have the, – the Redskins – Washington would have won that game if Alex Smith would have played the whole way. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, because I think at one point in the second half, I think he was like 11 for 12 at one point. Hey, he was he was carving it up out there. It, it is pretty amazing to see him out, still out there playing right now. Um, you know, a lot of credit to him to be able to do that. But I, you know, even though I said a few weeks ago I wouldn't pick the Lions and win another game this year, um, I'm taking I'm going to take the Lions to get a 24 to 17 win at home. Um, yeah, I think that Detroit is going to have Matthew Stafford out there. So I think they they're able to do enough. I you know again I I see Alex Smith maybe making another turnover too. Detroit with a short field, and I think Detroit plays well enough to win this game, twenty four to seventeen. We have an NFC West matchup in in uh, Los Los Angeles as the Seahawks travel to LA to face the Rams, and this and this and this should be a. Uh, Really, really close competitive game. I know the Rams' defense is really, really good. Obviously, they got two studs with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Their defense has been playing really well this year, a big reason why they are 5-3. and three. And Seattle, it's the opposite. The big reason why the Seahawks are 6-2 and two is because of how well their offense has been playing with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and obviously Russell Wilson. But I think I think this game is actually is played at the Seahawks' pace. I think that the Seahawks are able to, you know, the one thing the Seahawks do pretty well on defense is stop the run because they got Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, but they can't stop the pass. So that's why I think Jared Goff has a big day on this defense. But I do think Russell Wilson also has a big day on this defense on the Rams' defense, and he puts up over thirty points. And in a close, competitive game, I got the Seahawks beating the Rams 31-28. Yeah, it's Seattle going on the road, bouncing back twenty-eight to twenty-seven. It's not the ten-game losing streak, I think. You know, for the Seahawks on a, on the East Coast. Um, 
And I think the the big key is that the Rams, you know, and Goff's success and the Rams' offensive success is to be able to um, run the ball. And it kind of opens up play action for Goff. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that much because of the way Seattle stops the run. And Buffalo had a great game plan last week because they really did not run the ball. Awesome game plan. Dable did a great job throwing the ball all over them. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He, uh, Josh Allen looked great um, in that offense. So, I think, you know, the Rams do need to be able to run the football, and I don't think they have much success doing that. I definitely think Goff's going to make some plays through the air, score some points. But I think Seattle um, is going to score touchdowns. The Rams will kick a few field goals, and the Seattle will go on the road and get the win 20 to 27. NFC matchup in New Orleans this week. At the beginning of the season, this looked like a huge game between the 49ers and the Rams, but with all the 49ers injuries, this, I mean, 49ers and the Saints. With all the 49ers injuries, this looks like a game that the Saints should win big. The Saints last week proved why, arguably, they're the best team in the NFC. I personally think Seattle is. A big reason for that is because I picked them at the beginning of the season, and I'm stubborn that way. But the way the Rams are playing, they look like a, like probably one of the most complete teams in the league. The, the Saints are playing, they look like the, one of the most complete teams in the, in the league. Uh, you know, With Cameron Jordan, Demario Davis in the middle, and then Marshawn Lattimore on defense, who shut down Mike Evans last week. And on offense, they got Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders back. Alvin Kamara's had a great year. Drew Brees, this isn't his best season, but he's still good enough to win a Super Bowl with. And I think their offense, even though the 49ers defense is still good, I think the Saints offense puts up over 30 points against them. They run the ball with Kamara. Brees gets the ball to Sanders and Thomas. And on defense, I do think that that the Niners will uh, g- give the Saints a little bit of trouble. I think, you know, Mullins, because they might have Samuel and Ayuk back, so they might make some plays, but it will definitely – not be enough. And I think the Saints win this game. And I think the Saints win at 31-17 over the 49ers. Yeah, I get the Saints at home, 30 to 13. Yeah, fine. Now that that's kind of the Saints team that I think we we're all been expecting for all year. We finally got it. Um it all around. 11 different guys caught a pass. They forced some turnovers. I think they'll be able to do the same thing. The Niners, they can probably play a team that's I know, you know, they they have a full squad right now in IR. Uh it's, it seems like they have so many guys banged up right now. So they, they don't really stand a chance in this game. Um, Saints are be able to control the control the game. Um, Kamara should have a big day. Um, Drew Brees should have a big day. Maybe Tom should have a big day. Saints are going to get after Nick Mullins if he's the starter. Or, um, if, you know, if, I assume he's starting again. Um, but Saints should win big 30-13. We got an AFC North matchup in Pittsburgh, and it, there's a, and there obviously are COVID issues with the Steelers. I mean, four members. I mean, Vance McDonald tested positive, and then guys like uh, even now Big Ben, he's got to isolate. So you got players that have, have isolated. Uh, they're, they're on the they're on the COVID nineteen list for the Steelers. You got players that are going to be isolating, and not really not going to be able to practice this week for the Steelers. Obviously, the Bengals come in two five and one. Yes, Joe Burrow has had a really really good year. But he definitely has at times played like a rookie, especially against good defenses. Didn't play well against the Ravens. And I think in this game, it's going to be the same story for Joe Burrow. I think he'll, he'll turn the ball over once. I think I think the uh, Steelers are going to get pressure on him. And, yes, it's tough to predict this game because you don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Steelers. But I even think even if it's Big Ben or Mason Rudolph, I still think the Steelers go to 9-0 and they pull this out. And I got the Steelers winning this game. I got the Steelers winning this game 24-17 over the Bengals. Yeah, I've hit winning this one 26-23. Um, it may not be that high scoring if Big Ben's out and all that, but I still think the Seals get the win anyways. Um, they got to they gotta scare, but that always kind of seems like this 
a game the Steelers, you know, team that they should beat on the road, they go down and they don't play their best. Um, usually lose those, but they're able to come out, get the win. I think they're going to get a tons of pressure on Joe Burrow. I think he's going to, he could have a long day. Um, and I, you know, he's going to probably have a couple of turnovers. And then I, I, you know, I know the Steelers run game isn't great. So that, you know, I think they could have some success on the ground because the Bengals are so bad at stopping the run. Um, and they kind of keep it out of Joe Burrow's hands. And I think the Steelers should be able to get the win at home 26, 23. We got a really, really good interconference matchup in uh, Arizona as the seven and two Buffalo Bills head out to Arizona to face the five and three uh, Arizona Cardinals, and this this should be a really, really good game for a, both these two both both these two teams. Both these two offenses are really good. Uh, the Cardinals are getting Kenyon Drake back this week. I mean, the Bills look great on offense against the Seahawks, and that's how I think this game is going to be. I think it's going to be up and down, down the field. Kyler Murray's going to have a big game. They're going to be able to run the ball with Kenyon Drake. Mur- they, the Bills might not have Tredavious White, so now DeAndre Hopkins might have a big game. And even for the Bills, Josh Allen will continue to prove why he's a top quarterback in this league. I think he has a big game through the air. He gets the ball to Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, and even Devin Singletary and Zach Moss do uh, contribute on the ground as well. And I think in a close, high-scoring game, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going with the Cardinals, 31-27 over the Bills. Yeah, I get Arizona 31-20 to pull this one out. I, you know, both these teams have really kind of. I know, you know, both records are good, but both teams have kind of been um, very up and down. You know, Bills looked great last week against Seattle, but then, you know had kind of a four game stretch there where they went two and two, but they didn't play the best football. Um, Cardinals lost a tough one to Miami last week. And then, you know, then uh, they played a great game against Seattle before the bye and the Sunday night game at home. So I think Arizona is going to be able to bounce back. I think they forced a couple of turnovers. Um, I think it definitely helps that they get Drake back, even though um, Edmonds is still solid running back, but I think it helps that, They'll have Drake in the backfield this week. Um, again, you know, the Bills can protect Allen, and he makes some plays down the field. That, you know, uh, Buffalo's got to really, really be chance to win this game. But I think Arizona at home is going to be able to pull this one out, 31-28. We have a AFC West matchup in Vegas as the Broncos, 3-5, and five, travel to Vegas to face the uh, face the Raiders. And I'm going to surprise some people here. I'm going to go with the upset. And I know I was wrong about the Broncos last week, and I picked them against the Falcons, but I'm going to take them again. And uh, I'm going to take the Broncos in this game. I like their, I think they run the ball with Phillip Lindsay and, and Melvin Gordon. Jerry Judy, I think, has a big week. And uh, I, I unfortunately, I sat him in fantasy last week. Fantasy last week cost, cost me the game. But uh, – I started him. I started Sterling Shepard over him, but I think Drew Locke gets the ball to, to to Jerry Judy. Drew Locke's been inconsistent at times, but I think he's hot in this game and gets the ball to Jerry Judy. Broncos run the ball in the Raiders' defense, and I think the same thing with the Raiders. I think they move the ball in the Broncos' defense too. But I think it comes right down to the end, and I got the Broncos pulling the upset over the Raiders, thirty to twenty-seven. Yeah, I got I got Vegas at home, thirty to twenty-three over the Denver Broncos. Um, I just need to see the Broncos consistently play. The last two weeks, I know they, the Chargers and the Falcons are not very good closers, but it, you know, Drew Locke played his best in the fourth quarter the last few weeks. I need to see that um, through the whole game before I, you know, I'm going to take them this week. Um, you know, in the Raiders this year, 
kind of been, you know, run first thing because it and it's really helped Carr out because I think he's play, he's played really well, sixteen touchdowns to two ints. Um, again, you know, if they can get some pressure on Locke, and this is and Locke too has been turnover machine too. And the Raiders have only four spot takeaways, so I think Raiders, you know, could get a couple of turnovers in this game. And I think at home, I think they do get it, and I think they move to six and three. So I get the Raiders one at thirty twenty three. We got a matchup of two rookie quarterbacks down in Miami as Justin Herbert faces Tua Tugaviola. The Chargers, Justin Herbert, Dolphins, Tua Tugaviola. And let me clear some stuff up about Justin Herbert. Yes, he's played really well. He's put up really, really big numbers. But also, at times, he's played like a rookie. And that is a reason why he is one and six as a starter. I mean, you can go through some of his games. Yes, I mean, circumstances has hurt him. Bad coaching decisions by Anthony Lynn in the game against the, the Chiefs with them not going forward on a fourth and one and giving Mahomes the ball in overtime. the the When they were up 24-7 on the Bucks, and instead of running out the clock to go into the half, they hand the ball off and there's a fumble. That definitely is a coaching that definitely is a coaching mistake. There's been special teams mistakes. The missed field goal against the Saints on Monday Night Football, uh, that, that would have won them the game. And even last week there was a missed field goal to start the game and, 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 and say they had that field goal, they might have even won the game there too. But there have been also situations where Justin Herbert has played like a rookie. Uh, he lost to the Panthers, didn't play well in the Panther game, but they lost. And there's one of the biggest situations where he played like a rookie was they were up 24-10 to 10 in the third quarter against the Broncos. If he throws that ball away and they kick the field goal, it's 27-10, and there's definitely a different outcome. But he throws an interception. Uh, the Broncos are back in the game, and they end up losing that game. So there have been situations where he's played like a rookie as well, so we, so we can't forget that. But for this game, I think this is a, this is a close competitive game. I think that uh, – Two has a big game. There's a chance Joey Bozo doesn't play again. So I think two has a big game. And also I think Herbert has a big game. But we all know what's going to happen. The better coach team is going to win. The team that knows how to close out games is going to win. And that's why I got the Dolphins beating the Chargers 28-24. Yeah, I got the Finns as well at home moving to 6-3. and three. Who would have thunk it? And I got them winning 24-21. to 21. Yeah, the Chargers last week found another way to lose a game. Um, last way of the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was yeah, it was incredible. And he, and he had jokes. He had a big three and out, and and his defense let up a touchdown, and everyone blamed the D. God forbid anyone criticize him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know he's been good, but yeah, you know there's been a couple of situations where, yeah, you know, um, mentioned the hit, the pick in the end zone, um, three and out there. Yeah. So again, yeah, he's played well, but yeah, he you know he has made his rookie mistakes like you're gonna see. Um, and this Miami team the last few weeks they're gonna um, they're gonna force a turnover too. Yeah, they're right. They're gonna be able to pull this one out. Um, and they, you know, Dolphins have been really good too on third down. They're only allowing opponents to convert thirty four percent of the time. So I think Miami finds a way to win. But this this should be a fun one seeing these two rookie quarterbacks play. Tua has been, you know, it was a good sign for Tua. The way he played last week after the, the Rams game where, yeah, he didn't have to do much, but he still wasn't great in that game. Uh, but Dolphins will find a way to win this one. And, of course, Joe, Joe sent me a comment privately. The Dolphins knew he was ready, and that's and, and, that, and that's a – and that's big because that was that was a controversial move. Them, you know, pulling to a tug of Iola, they, the Dolphins. Uh, uh, no, I mean pulling Ryan Fitzpatrick. They knew that, but they knew in their heads that Tua was ready, and he definitely proved that last week. Yeah, he definitely did. You know, he he looked really really sharp, and yeah, you know, um, just yeah, you know, it didn't make any 
did not make too many mistakes and he played really, really well. I know, you know, on, on the road against a good Arizona team. Absolutely. That was a huge win, huge win for him. And, and he looks right now like he's definitely gonna be the franchise guy for the Dolphins for the next 10 to 15 years. But we are going to go, we are going to go to an NFC North matchup, two teams that wish they had franchise quarterbacks. That's the problem with these two teams. The other teams have franchise quarterbacks is the three and five Vikings uh, visit the uh, five and four bears on Monday night football. And I think the Vikings ride Dalvin cook in this game. Like they've rode him the last two games in the run game and in the pass game. And and as I've said for weeks, the biggest issue with the bears defense, even though they contained Henry last week is their run defense. And I think that shows up this week. I think, I think that uh, Dalvin cook has a big game on the ground. I do think Nick Foles doesn't play terribly, but I but I think that he turns the ball over a couple times, and that's going to end up hurting the Bears. And I think in a close, competitive game, I got the Vikings over the Bears, 23-20. Yeah, I get the Vikings on the road, 24-20. Kurt looking for his first Monday night football win, and I think they should be able to do it. I like the way they've kind of come out since the bye here. Um, they played better. I think, yeah, Dalvin Cook's going to have another huge game on the ground against Chicago. And I, I didn't just, you know, I don't really trust either one of these quarterbacks, but I think Nick Foles makes enough. I mean, uh, Kirk Cousin makes enough plays. And with the running game too, I think really helps him out. Cause, and David Montgomery for the Bears may not play. Um, and they really can't run the ball anyways. They're last in the league right now. So I think Vikings should be able to find a way to win. And if they do win this game, their next three games are all at home. And they're all winnable. They have Dallas, Carolina, and Jacksonville. So Minnesota could really find themselves right back in the playoff picture. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they because say they win this game, they got they got Dallas. They really only have like because they they're done with Green Bay. They really their only real tough game is that uh, game when they play Tampa Bay because they because they still play Detroit uh, on the road on the road too. So they scored, uh, um Christmas Day. They do play at New Orleans. That's a tough one. Obviously, yeah. that'll be another one. Another one. New, New Orleans and uh, Tampa. Those are still going to be tough games. But there's a chance this team could finish, you know, eight and eight or nine and seven if they win this game. That's why this is a huge game for the Vikings because they lose it, their season's over. Yeah, definitely. You know, and who would have thought that two weeks ago? And it's um, there a few weeks ago coming off that bye. Yeah, you know, they're right back in it. They they could seal this game and kind of two teams going the wrong direction. Minnesota. Um, you know, right now, starting to play well since the bye. But the Bears have really struggled since that um, five or uh, five and one start. Uh, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. And then let's be let's be real. They were one of the worst five and one teams in the yeah. league when they were five and one. I mean, they, really, they should have lost uh, opening day at the Lions and then op- and week three at the Falcons. I mean, th- th- that's the problem. And I think honestly. Nagy pulled Trubisky too quickly. I think it was too quick to pull Trubisky because say maybe if you pulled Trubisky, maybe like week uh, seven or eight, and Foles and, and, and you you don't have that's if you pull Trubisky week seven or eight, then it, Foles might be able to play well for a couple weeks, and then uh, then if he, then if he starts playing poorly, you, uh, you you could pull him, and there's not that many games left. Now, if you have to pull Foles, now you're playing Trubisky. You've already given up on Trubisky. Now you got to play him for pretty much almost half the season. So I think Nagy pulled Trubisky too early. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, um, yeah, you really you can't pull pull because what's that? You know, you already quit on Dan Trubisky. Yeah, um, he, he definitely did it. And yeah, um, both those guys aren't franchise QBs. Guys are finding out, but yeah, it, and it it's con, con, came back and. Um, has haunted the Bears so far. 
Absolutely, and obviously the one decision that ended up ended up costing them though was obviously you know Ryan why Ryan Pace should be fired. They pass on Mahomes, they pass on Watson, and they start we're stuck with Trubisky, and he becomes a bust. Yep, and yeah, that's why he's going to lose his job at the end of the year, and maybe even Matt Nagy if things keep going south like they are right now. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to get to college football, and it's been a really, really bad week in the SEC uh, in terms of COVID, as obviously the coach of Arkansas, Sam Pittman, tested positive. You got three games that have been postponed, uh, Alabama and LSU, Texas A&M and Tennessee, and uh, and uh, Auburn and uh, Mississippi and, State. So let's see if it – another game, Justin? Yep, a fourth got to add this morning. Missouri at Georgia is now also postponed. Wow, so that's four games in the SEC that have been postponed. It's a really, really bad week with COVID. Just reminding everybody that COVID-19 is still going on right now, and it's still – and right now, hate to say it, it's it's almost as bad as it's, it's, as it's, as it's been in March. So it's, this is the second wave is hitting COVID, and it's really, really hitting these SEC schools. We hope everybody – that's every, all the teams that are dealing with us are staying safe, and I think this is the right decision by the SEC. Yeah, definitely. You know, hopefully everybody comes back, speedy recovery. But yeah, they, you know, SEC is getting hit harder right now. Um, you know, in, in that area, it's not a very good look here for <laughs> they'll lose all four games here. Um, you know, them in conference USA have pretty much been the most games have gotten canceled. But yeah, not not great for the SEC, especially. I know Alabama Clemson's a big rivalry. I know it lost its juice the way LSU played, but again, you know. Um, that it's still a huge game, huge deal to lose that that one as you know, as the big one this weekend. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna be uh, right now. They 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 should be considering just using the week of the SEC championship game as a week of makeups. That's, but the, yeah, that's is that what they're considering? Thinking, that's what they're considering right now. If teams don't, you know, like the teams that won't make the SEC championship game, that um, you know, for the other twelve teams that don't make it. They're, if they need it, they will make up games on December 19th. Okay, okay, okay. It's what okay. they're thinking is right now. But it's okay. not finalized, but I think it's going to be um, – I think it will happen. Okay, okay, okay. So, so that's what's going to end up happening. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening. Because say – like, but so say like Florida loses another game and say – no, that wouldn't matter because Florida only has one loss. But say like teams play different games and then one team goes to the championship game that would be a little confusing. Yeah, it would. Um, I, I, you know, I think it may be kind of a last second decision there that, you know, um, if they do make, make those games up yet, I don't know, you know, what they would do if that ends up happening, but I, you know, I think, you know, I think it would be a decision that they kind of make, you know, tentatively, I would think they've kind of put on the schedule. Hey, this is tentative depending on what happens for the SEC championship game. I think that's how they would go about it. They kind of let teams know, hey, there's a chance you could be playing for like a Florida or Georgia and Alabama if you need that night, December 19th game here. There's a chance you could play, um, you know, Florida, you know, um, Georgia could play Missouri on the 19th. But if Florida loses a couple more games, you can go, all right. Um, if you don't make the SEC championship game, you're going to play Missouri on December 19th. I would think that's how they go about it. Yeah, that would probably make sense. If it doesn't matter, just play December 19th. I think that yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, get another game in. Exactly. So we are going to head to the slate of games this week, and we're going to start with an ACC matchup. We got De'Ara King and Miami traveling to Blacksburg to face Virginia Tech. 
And in this game, interesting game, rivalry game. But I got to go with the Canes to win this game close, just like they did last week. I think they survived because of De'Ara King. And I got Miami beating the Hokies. I'm going to take the Hokies here with an upset. I think they'll pull it out at and Blacksburg 34 to 30. Um, both defenses really show that week. Both defenses are not their um, the strength of their teams. Um, now, I am worried, though. I may change, you know, Khalil Herbert, Virginia Tech run back, Karen, who's averaging eight yards, over eight yards a game right now, um, is questionable. It sounds like he will play, but there's a chance he may not. Uh, and they're so great at running the football. They're fifth right now in the country, and Virginia Tech really struggled to throw the ball. I think they could have success running the ball against the Hurricanes. And I think that is why they'll be able to pull it out. They lost a tough one. I don't know how, if you heard how they lost last week. It was no, like, they played last week. They played Liberty. They played. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. Now I remember that game. Yeah, Liberty. Yeah. Uh, well, what, what was the final? 38-35. Oh wow. They tried to freeze the kicker. They blocked it. Returned it for a touchdown. Oh wow. Because they called the timeout, it didn't count, and Liberty kicked the field goal again and won it. So. Tough loss for the Hokies. I think they bounce back. This is a big one for Justin uh, Fuente. Yeah, you don't really want to go four and four right now. Um, be a big one. I think the Hokies pulled out in Blackwood. We got a Big Ten matchup in East Lansing as IU uh, has the East Lansing to face Michigan State. And I don't get the point spread in this game at all. How is this point spread seven and a half points? Michigan State is absolutely terrible. This should easily be a two-touchdown two, two spread. It should usually be a 14-point spread the way Indiana's playing, the way Michigan State is playing. I don't get that at all. That's why I think Michigan, Indiana wins this game big. I think they win it by three scores. The way Penix Jr. is playing, uh, the way Indiana's, Indiana's been playing overall, I got Indiana winning this game big over the Spartans. I have it 11-point game. Yeah, this line's low. But, you know, again, I don't think Michigan's that good of a team. Then they just, you know, they beat Rutgers. That's not that great. And then they should have lost to Penn State, which right now. Doesn't look good either, the way Penn State's playing. No, they're not. You know, Indiana's a good team. Are they top 10? They forced the turnovers, and that's like a big key form. You know, I don't think this is a team that's. Maybe they can challenge Ohio State for a half. I don't think this is – they're good. They don't have the talent to be able to match up with them. The thing is, though, Michigan State, they got manhandled again up front against Iowa last week. And I know Iowa always has some great linemen. Um, but they got absolutely dominated once again. Rocky Lombardi cannot protect the football. And I think that's why Indiana is going to force them a couple turnovers. Michael Penix Jr. is 8-1 and one as a starter. And his one loss came last year to Michigan State. Um, this team has so much momentum right now, and I think I, you know, I could see this one being close if Indiana kind of has a letdown week. Definitely, you know, coming out to win in Michigan. Um, they have lost seven of the last eight to the Spartans, but I think you know Indiana is going to be pull this one out on the road, thirty-one to twenty. We got Notre Dame heading to BC to face Boston College, and I think there might. I don't think there's really going to be a letdown. I think Brian Kelly's a good coach. And I think Notre Dame wins this game big. I think Ian Book has a big week, and I think their defense shuts down BC. I got Notre Dame by two or three scores over BC. Really? I, Ooh, you think I it's going to really, be close? I I really want to take BC in this one. I really, really do. But I think Notre Dame pulls this thing out late. Um, Notre Dame, their first win against the number one ranked team last week since 1993. It's been a while. I And BC starting quarterback, Phil um, Jerkovic, 
is a Nordane transfer. So you know he loved to knock out the Irish this week. Um, and I and I think this B I really like Jeff Halfley in this BC team. They did not play la- well last week on the road at Syracuse. Um, again, I think maybe it was look ahead to this Nordane team last week for him. But I like what I like what he brings to the table. I think you know, BC is going to be fine. You give him another year or two to bring his guys in. And I think they'll be consistently a top half ACC school. And then it's a red bandana game as well for the uh, Eagles. Um, honoring a former alum from um, 9-11. I think he saved like 18, um, 18 people in one of the World Trade Towers. So this is always kind of an emotional game for BC. That's also why I think they can keep it really, really close. But I'll take Nordane. No edges one out 27-20. Big 10 matchup in uh, College Park. And who would have thought we'd be talking about Ohio State and Maryland this year? But the way Maryland's played, the way Tua's brother has played, he's in, he played he's played excellent the last two weeks. Obviously, got Ohio State with Justin Fields, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And I think this is a high-scoring game. I think I think, but Ohio State's definitely getting against Maryland. And no offense, but Maryland has played well the last couple of weeks, but they're not going to stop Ohio State. I think Ohio State gets in the fifties in this game, and I think Maryland gets in maybe you know mid twenties. Uh, uh, high 30s, but I do have Ohio State winning this game by at least three scores because Maryland, yes, they've won two in a row against Minnesota and Penn State, but those teams aren't Ohio State. I got Ohio State winning this by two or three scores. Yeah, I got this one 52-28 Ohio State. Three of the last four years, Ohio State has scored 62 on the Terrapins. Wow. Um, they they have really been able to figure out their Wasn't there one year where the Terrapins almost beat them? Two years ago, double OT. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, I remember they almost beat him. 49 48. It was something like that. It was a crazy game. Um, I remember that was a fun one. You know, last year, Ohio State put up 70 on him. Maryland's not being able to stop him. Again, right now, Joseph Fields has 11 touchdown passes, two rushing pa- two rushing touchdowns, and only 11 incompletions. So, um, and Ryan Day has challenged his team. He wants them to play a full four quarters this week, and that's a bad sign if you're a Terrapin. Um, um, Talia Tagovailoa has played really well. Rakeem Jarrett, the freshman, I, he was a five-star. And Ohio State, I mean, Maryland's given up 227 rushing at the game. Ohio State has not been able to run football. I think to start being – they're going to be able to do that this week against the Terrapins. Uh, this one's probably going to be very ugly. We got USC, you got USC traveling to uh, Tucson to face Arizona. And I think in this game, I don't know that much about Arizona, Arizona football. And I think that USC wins this one pretty big. I, I got USC winning it by two or three scores. I got USC winning this one 30 to 24. They found a way. The USC found a way somehow, some way um, to get that win. But that was their ninth straight game for the Trojans when they have le- when they committed at least three turnovers, which you're not going to be able to keep winning ball games like that. Um, they got to kind of figure it out. I didn't really like their run rush, um, their rush defense last week. They really struggled. Um, gave up 258 yards on the ground. Arizona's coming in. Kevin Sullivan's on the hot seat here. They had one of the worst defenses in the country last year. I think they have not been – their defense has not been ranked higher. Uh, um, their their defense has – since 2013, their, re, their defense has been ranked nationally 92, 92nd in the country or lower. So their defense has really struggled. Um, it's going to continue this year. They bring in a new D coordinator, Paul Rhodes. You think he's, they're bring they're gonna um, run three four defense, but it ain't gonna matter. Khalil Tate's gone. They got a couple of running backs. Their their strength is gonna be the ground game, which could keep it close. But 
I do not see the Trojans um, losing this game. They should win this one by two scores. Oregon and uh, Washington State this week. We got Oregon uh, heading to up to Washington State, staying in the Pac-12 here. And uh, I think Oregon looked pretty good last week, and I think they went big this week. I think Washington State's going to miss Mike Leach. I think he was a he was a really good coach. I think they're going to miss him. And I got Oregon win this by two scores. I get the Ducks win this one close, thirty. Um, I like the way Jaden Deloro, the true freshman, played last week against Oregon State. And Washington State ran the ball for 227 yards, which I don't know if last time Washington State ran that um, – has rushed for that many yards in a game. Um, I They got a Nordane transfer at running back, Deion McIntosh, that played really well last week. I think he could have some success. Um, and Oregon, too, they, they, find, they snapped a four-game losing streak last year against the Cougars. So, you know, Cougars have had their number last few years. I think they do keep it close. Uh, but I don't think they're be able to make enough, enough stops. Um, I like the uh, quarterback, Tyler Schaub, for Oregon last week. They got to a slow start, but again, that's going to happen when you haven't played a game in over 300 days. Ducks should go on the road and find a way to win. We got a Big Ten matchup Saturday night in Ann Arbor as uh, Michigan and Wisconsin face off with each other. And Michigan's really been struggling. Jim Harbaugh's on the hot seat. Wisconsin's coming back after being off, being out for two weeks due to COVID. And uh, I think this is a – I think this game – a lot of people think this might be a little bit of a blowout. I think this is a close competitive game. But in the end, I'm taking Wisconsin close over Michigan. Yeah, I got the badge as well. Um, 31-21. I don't remember you remember that game from last year when Wisconsin up front just absolutely torched Michigan. I think that seems that, – that could happen again this week. Um, the thing about Harbaugh and his right now is they just – they don't make it – they don't evolve. They don't make any adjustments. They just – it's stubbornness. I feel like it, they just, they're not changing their ways and it's really coming back to fight them right now. This team just has no fight. I, and I hate to say it, but I think, he, you know, I, I think he's starting cause I don't know what, you know, obviously I'm not around the program, but I think he lost that locker room. I, I really do. It team just, they don't, they don't, they don't come out. They don't play hard. It's, you know, Michigan fans consider themselves a basketball school now, so that's kind of where they are right now. And that's crazy to think of, because growing up, I always thought, yeah, I know I wasn't alive for the, I wasn't really watching when they had that, when the Michigan had the Fab Five, but growing up, I always thought of Michigan as a football school in the Chad Henney, Mario Manningham days, uh, even the Braylon Edwards days. I always, I always thought of them as a as a football school, always. Yeah, you usually do, but you know the way John Beeline and um, Dwayne Howard have elevated that basketball program. And kind of Michigan's just been flat. They've won eight games, but they, they're one and six against their big rivals, Michigan Ohio State. That's been the big thing. And it's going to show again this week. Um, I And if Graham Mertz does play the Wisconsin quarterback, I think he will this week. Um, I I think Amer- I really like this guy. I think it's Wisconsin that the one missing piece they've had last year's. I really like him. Um, 20 for 21 against Illinois. I think you have a big day against this Michigan secondary, which they just love to stick the man to man. And Jake Ferguson, the tight end, I think could run loose in this game. <laughs> Joe, I'm 45 and I expect them to blow it every year. And they do. Michigan <laughs> isn't good. T- timeout. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think Joe's a Michigan fan too. So yeah, I mean, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The Michigan has blown it every year. I mean, they can't beat they can't beat Ohio State. Even the years where they've 
been really good. I remember this that year in 2006 when they were under, with Chad Henney, when they were undefeated and they played Ohio State and they and they lost that game, knocked them out of the national championship. And they ended up losing the Rose Bowl. So every single year, they they, they, they always do. You're Joe's right. They always do blow it, and they never end and they never end up winning or, or never end up winning a national championship. Last national title was a uh, 97 when they shared it with Nebraska. Brian Brian Greasy was the quarterback. Even yeah. uh, even even they had Brady in those those years when they had Brady they 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 mismanaged Brady in those days especially that last year they definitely mismanaged Brady when they had him didn't have him starting the full year and they were, were platooning with Drew Henson that's another story for another yeah. day and we'll stay in the Big Ten and we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about Northwestern who's the number twenty three team in the country right now surprisingly and they uh, head to Purdue on Saturday night and I, I, admittingly I haven't seen a ton of Northwestern football this season probably not much at all. But one thing I do know about Purdue is they got one of the best receivers in the country in Rondell Moore. And I'm going to go with what I know. So that's why I'm taking Purdue in a close one over Northwestern. Unfortunately, I think Rondell Moore is going to be out again this week. So we won't see him. Um, he hasn't played yet this year. It's been like an undisclosed injury. They really haven't announced what it is um, after you opted back in. So I don't know what's going on in there. But did you, do you actually know the D coordinator for Purdue? Uh, I'm thinking, who is it? Bob Diaco. Oh, wow. Bob, yeah. He was at yeah. Nebraska. Now he's at Purdue. Wow. Yeah. He got fired in Nebraska. I'll yeah. He gets, he gets fired everywhere. He fired at UConn, fired at Nebraska. He was good at Notre Dame. I'll give you that. He was, he was um, losing tech last year. Defense good. Now Purdue is supposed to come to Rensselaer next year. So maybe a little bit of reunion. If he's yeah, but too bad, too bad. Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore will be gone. Yeah, he will. I mean, it helps UConn out. But anyways, getting back to the game here, I th- I like Northwestern. They found a quarterback in um in er, Indiana grad transfer, and Peyton Ramsey. He's not great, but he's a game manager. He's better what they had last year. Their defense is really really stout. Um, and I think Northwestern goes on goes on the road here, gets the win twenty four to seventeen. Their three touchdowns Northwestern has given up. Two of them have started at the um. They've been backed up, and, and they've started – their opponents have started with first and goal. So kind of tells you um, they've been really, really solid. Um, they forced eight interceptions so far in three games. Purdue, since that big win against Ohio State, are 6-12 and 12 since then. They struggle to run the ball once again, and I think Northwestern's going to take that away. Or they're going to try to take away the passing game, try to make them beat them on the ground, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. David Bell, Purdue's number one wide receiver at the moment. He is pretty exciting to watch. Um, when you get both of them, it's, it's you know, um, he goes really unnoticed, David Bell, but he's a, he's a really solid wide receiver. But I got Northwestern 24-17. Yeah, so it should be a good game between those two teams. Really, the winner winner of that game has has a chance to compete with uh, North, North I mean, uh, Wisconsin in the in the uh, Big Ten in the uh, Big Ten uh, West. But we're gonna stay in the Big Ten, but in college basketball, I mean, an unfortunate story on a Monday as Tom Izzo. Uh, Tested positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, I think he's going to be away from the team for a couple. I think, and uh, yeah, the season's supposed to start in a couple of weeks. But we definitely want to send our best out to Tom Izzo, one of the best coaches in college basketball, and uh, he's going to be out. He's going to be out for a little bit due to COVID nineteen. It's another reminder, and should have reminded those Notre Dame students that, especially in the Midwest, COVID is really is a, that is a hot spot, and you really, really got to be careful. Yeah, you definitely do. Definitely well wishes to uh, Tom Enzo as the yeah, season starts two weeks from today. Um, we'll have college basketball. But, yeah, definitely hopefully a speedy recovery. Um, for who taking over, but they're in good hands. Um, knowing what he's got for that staff. So, definitely, yeah, he'll be back probably right before the season starts. He'll 
have a couple more practices before they get going. Yeah, 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 it is. And, we, and obviously, again, we just we just send our best to Tom Izzo right now. Yeah, of course. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. But we're going to move on to one of the biggest uh, sporting events of the weekend. And it's weird to have it at this time of the year. But that's the Masters. It's weird to have the Masters in November, but we're having it in November due to COVID. And obviously, this is like the Super Bowl, uh, the World Series, the, the NBA Finals. This is the biggest event in golf every year. And obviously, it seemed like it was a while ago when this happened. But we all know who the defending Masters champion is. That's Tiger Woods. Unfortunately, he is a th- his odds are 35 to 1 to win the Masters this year. But still, I mean, he's he, I think he still ha- has a chance. Obviously, you got Bryson DeChambeau, who 8 to 1. He, he he's he's he has the best odds. You got Dustin Johnson, 9 to 1. He's the currently the best golfer uh, in the game right now. You got uh you got uh John Ram 10 to 1, uh Roy McIlroy uh, 14 to 1. Uh, Brooks Kepka, sixteen to one. Bubba Watson, twenty-eight to one. Jordan Smith, forty to one. And Phil Mickelson, Phil, eighty to one. So it should be an interesting tournament. And I'm, and it's, it, 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 I don't like the fact that it's right in the middle of football because you know Sunday, you know me, I probably won't be tuned into the Masters, unfortunately, because you know what's going on Sunday at one o'clock, and that I got a big inch, and I got, a, and you know what I'll be watching during that. But I'll be watching it throughout the weekend, especially on thir- on Thursday and Friday. And a little bit on Saturday, but unfortunately, the final round's got to be Sunday. And you know what I'm going to be doing, what I do every Sunday, what I'm going to be doing on Sunday. So I'll probably, I'll probably, unfortunately, this might be one of the first years I missed the last round of the Masters. But uh, you got to do what you got to do during COVID. I'm happy it's happening this year, and it should, it should be a fun tournament. Yeah, it should. Um, it, yeah, it's definitely weird November. So yeah, I probably won't watch much Saturday or Sunday for me. Uh, maybe in the morning, I'll try to tune in in the morning, but. Now, College Game Day is actually going to be there Saturday. That's that's really cool. That's really cool. They're going to be live from Augusta. That's yeah, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, especially they will never have that opportunity again. So that that will be cool to see. Um, yeah, it'll be you know a good field. Um, yeah, we definitely would love to see Tiger win another one here, but the yeah, chances are, are pretty slim. But yeah, such a huge tournament, the biggest golf tournament of the year. Um, but yeah, it's such a weird time. It feels so weird that it's going to be this weekend. Um, but yeah, it's always a fun event to watch the Masters. Oh, absolutely! And it, it, it would be cool if Tiger somehow won again. I, 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 it would it would be really really cool if he somehow won again. That would that would be that would be a story. Last year was a story, but this year it's gonna it was a it, it definitely this year would really really be a story. Oh, it definitely would. Because um, you when you tie the record holder with five, when I think I think you would. Yeah. Sunday ratings are going to be so brutal, though, this year for the Masters. The Masters ratings, unfortunately, on Sunday, even though there's not great NFL games, Sunday's ratings for the Masters will probably be the lowest they've ever been. Probably, I will guarantee yeah. you that. Probably. Unless it, I, now, if Tiger's sitting there with a chance, I, I think you know the ratings could go up a bit. Um, that's probably the one way that they, they have a shot. Him or him or maybe even Phil, if they're on top of the leaderboard going in the last last round, would definitely be able to spark those ratings on Sunday. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, who is your pick to win the Masters? I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson because he's been the best golfer all year, and I think he shows it in this tournament. I'm going to go with Bryson uh, DeChambeau. Um, you know, I've I've heard I heard his practice round. Um, he was like writing about live and how well he was hitting the ball. Um, I think off of his tee shot, he hit like a pitching wedge, um, like 200 yards. They got in the hole or something like that. 
Um, he's been hitting the ball really well, so I'll, I'll take him. I think he could win this. Did did Deshambo win another tournament? Did he win? Did he win another major this year? I don't think he did. Maybe not. Maybe the U.S. Open, but I'm not. Did he win? I don't know. I don't know if he won another one this year. Maybe the, I don't remember if he won the U.S. Open or not. Yeah, it would be interesting to see Dustin Johnson and him go at it though on Sunday. That would be interesting. Yeah, definitely would. Those are yeah two of the best right now um, in the sport. Yeah, those the, um, that definitely would be fun to see those two go at it the final um, final final round on Sunday. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, know, you know, not it's it's not it's not a normal year. Obviously, you know, usually the Masters are that that uh that, around Easter Sunday, but this year obviously they're in November. But still, I mean, it should still be a great tournament. It all starts tomorrow uh, in Augusta, Georgia. But we are going to wrap up the show talking about a little bit of baseball. We got we got a little bit of baseball to talk about as as we got a, we got a we got a big move as Alex Cora has been rehired as the Red Sox manager. And you know, this is this is this infuriated a lot of people because you know he was suspended for the 2020 season because he was involved in the Astros cheating scandal. Also, he was involved in the Red Sox supposed cheating scandal too in 2018 so i guess he's been involved in two cheating scandals but the red sox you know want to want to hire him again he is a good manager but you know you have to question you know the integrity of the red sox organization you know bringing him back this quickly you know after they say that you know the reason you got fired last year was because you you, you were a part of a cheating scandal but you know once you serve your suspension you can come back that's where, you know, part of me doesn't mind the hire because he's a good manager, but part of me doesn't like the hire because of that. I mean, you fired him, you know, uh, last year because of the cheating scandal. And now you bring him back because he's eligible to come back. That's that. That's what I don't like about this. Yeah. Um, some, yeah. It, that's yeah. definitely the one part. I, I always knew, though, I always had a feeling that this was going to happen um, just because um, they, you know, yeah, the, the owners love um, – they they love Alex Cora. The players love Alex Cora. Um, I you know, and when they started all the interviews, I knew they were gonna hire him. I knew they weren't gonna turn to a first year manager. I always it, it just felt like they were gonna rehire Alex Cora. I just you know, they they really like him. Yeah, he's he's been a good manager. Um, for while I know they struggled in last you know um last two years have been a struggle for him, but yeah you know he always had a feeling that he was gonna be back. Um, managing the Red Sox this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, and here's something they said: if you if you're waiting on a sign from God, Alex Cora probably stole at the Pope. That's a funny one. That's a funny quote right there. Yeah, and then and, and who do you think he learned? That's another funny one he put up. Who do you think he learned it from? Oh man, oh that's a funny one. Who do you think he learned it from? Oh man. Oh, because obviously we know about the Patriots cheating scandal. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Oh man, that's a funny. That's a funny one. So, yeah, very, very, very controversial hire. But I did have a feeling when Ron Renneke was not brought back that the Sox would bring Cora back. Yeah, and they gave kind of Renneke the interim um, uh, tag as well. So yeah, I just it felt like, you know. It just and I heard that. Oh, yeah, look, that, oh, oh just, I'm sorry to interrupt. Look at this one. <laughs> look, Daddy. Alex Cora says, "Whenever a bell rings, it throws a slide." Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, another um, funny one. But yeah, back to your point, Justin. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just yeah. It always just felt like it was going to come back around. He was going to come. He was going to come back to Boston. Just the way the fans, um, my, you know, 
appreciate this, you know, for more w- what he did his first year in Boston. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a controversial hire. It's the same thing with Hinch, but yeah, because he's going back to the same team, you know, and you really, you know, I think the Red Sox be bad this year. That you know, that's a part that's kind of like, you know, it is what it is. You know, baseball, yeah, messed up with all the suspensions and stuff. You know, um, but yeah, you know, it just yeah, it always had that feeling like he was gonna go back just because you know, all the all the players loved him and. It just, you know, when, you know, um, it, yeah, you know, Joe, you know, put up the, it doesn't seem like they're, uh, they're sorry, you know, um, yeah, you know, yeah, because none of them really have come out and, you know, positive, maybe interested, but I don't really remember. But yeah, you know, have they learned the lesson? You know, how do you know that they aren't going to pull off something like that? You know, you hope they, that they won't, they, that they have learned the lesson, but you, you do never know. He's done it twice. But again, I, I think he comes back and um, I think he kind of knows too, that this is his final straw, that he does something like this again. Nobody's, nobody's going to hire him in the game again. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I have to say this, uh, being a Yankee fan since like the, since the nineties, this is definitely the most hated Red Sox manager. Cause Frank Hone Yankee fans didn't hate that much. Same thing with, same thing with Farrell, but this is definitely by far, yeah, and Bobby V to coach to manage their one year, but the, the, and then here's, here's another one. All the more the reasons to cheat. Cheaters, no, cheaters find new ways to cheat. <laughs> Joe has no, Joe has Joe does not trust the Sox at all. He, he is convinced that Cora will continue to cheat. In my opinion, honestly, though, I think that you know he's. I think he probably has learned from the previous situation. I don't think he's going to do it again. But I can see Joe's point. You know, cheaters always find reasons to cheat. So he thinks that core is still going to be that way. But one thing I think we both, all of us would agree on though, he's definitely the most hated Red Sox manager. So you remember in 2008, he told, he told, he told, we told all the Yankees to blank on it when uh, they scored 16 runs at Yankee stadium against them. So he's, he, and he's a, he's, he's definitely gonna be most hated. He's definitely gonna get the booze when he comes to Yankee stadium. Oh yeah. He he definitely will. Yeah. I, I, Definitely, yeah, I hate this guy out of all the red tide managers that I, I've seen. Um, but yeah, um, it definitely most hate, yeah, especially those comments they made in 2018. It it, it makes us because the last few years with the Red Sox kind of you know struggling, the rivalry hasn't you know hasn't been what it what it's been now. It, this is really you know stirring the pot here, and you now the rivalry is going to be uh back to what we all love as Yankees Red Sox fans. Uh, absolutely absolutely so we're gonna get to awards we'll start we'll start with rookie of the year in the national league and an unknown guy won rookie of the year honestly i mean i think joe might know joe or you might know who he is i didn't even know who uh who devin williams was when they even said he was the rookie of the year i mean he was a reliever for the brewers this year he had a record of four and one era of uh point i think point eight three or point point three three but did you even know who he was before he was named rookie of the year um, the last week I heard about him and how well he was playing because he gave up one run, I think, in like 27 innings. I was like, wow, that, that, that's pretty impressive. So late in the year, like the final week or two, I heard about him. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's deserved. I mean, you're a reliever. And it really wasn't a year where any real NL rookie stood out that much. Unfortunately, Tatis was a rookie the year before because if he was a rookie this year, obviously he wins the award. But, like, yeah, but yeah it was really a year where nobody in the National League stood out. So this is the guy who – ends up winning rookie of the year. So yeah, congrats to him. 
I mean, he had a really good year as a relief, really good 60 game season as a reliever, and we'll see if he ends up keeping it up. And so we'll go to AL Rookie of the Year, and that is uh, Kyle Lewis, and he deserved that. I mean, he is someone I didn't see many Mariners games this year, but he is definitely someone who definitely deserved Rookie of the Year when you were seeing that a rookie, a, a rookie to be a rookie with 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 no scouting report on you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Joe's right. Joe yeah. definitely is right about that. A rookie to be a rookie without, yeah. I mean, you could have, you could have, yeah. A lot of rookies can have big years like that, especially when they play sixty games. But I do think Kyle Lewis is going to be a really good player. I mean, he led the Mariners in home runs and RBIs. He definitely has some potential to be really the Mariners, a team that's rebuilding, but really to be their cornerstone of the future. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's good that they found a guy. You know, I know um, he played really well. Um, He's been really, um, he's been, you know, yeah, he kind of um, a big, big sign, you know, this year for the Mariners. Um, and it's such a rebuild type of year for him. Um, it's a good kind of, because they haven't had a lot of rookie talent really in a while. So it's good to kind of get this type of guy. Absolutely. And, well. and then actually, I just saw breaking news. Ohio State and Maryland have postponed their game due, a sur- due to a surge in COVID-19. COVID-19 cases in the Terrapins program. Wow. So it's another another college. So now you have Ohio State. And I know we're on baseball. We'll just we'll just talk about this for one sec. Now you have Ohio State who's going to play one less game in, in, in their conference. So say that uh, – say they end up – even if they – say they beat Indiana and, and maybe lose a game down, down the road, they end up 5-1 and one in Indiana. And they end up 6-1 and one in Indiana and it ends up 7-1. and one. Who goes to the Big Ten championship game? Uh, yeah. Uh, See, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing. Why the Big Ten didn't leave them leave them any wiggle room? They should have. They should have had a week where they made up games. Now that say, but I don't think Ohio State's going to lose another game. But but just say, but just say them and Indiana both have one loss in Indiana, and and they play one less game in Indiana and beat Indiana. Yeah. Who goes to the Big Ten championship game I, there? I think it would have to be Indiana. They got the one more win. That's you know, they got the one after game. I would think, but yeah, you know, it's really where the Big Ten messed up and they could have their issues. And again, they kind of knew about that coming into the year, um, that something like this could happen. And that's them in the Pac-12 are really, you know, again, they, you know, no room for error for those two programs, you know, for those two conferences. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, there's none at all. Yeah, there's no wiggle room. Absolutely. And, yeah. and poor Justin Fields, he was going to, you know, again, have another uh, probably 350 yard passing and another four or five touchdowns. You know, he loses those uh, big, big yards. So, especially he was playing so well, but now he loses another game for his Heisman case. Yeah, but, but without, without question. And you don't get to see that matchup between him and two, his brother, too. Yeah. You know, that definitely could have been funny because I think Mary would be able to put up some points, but. They wouldn't be able to uh, – Maryland wouldn't have been able to, to stop them at all this, this weekend. Um, but, yeah, it would, it would have been cool to, cool to um, see those two go at it. Absolutely, absolutely. But we're going to head back to a baseball. We'll go to manager of the year in both leagues, and uh, we'll start with in the National League and Don Mattingly for the Marlins. Completely deserved. Absolutely deserved. I mean, the Marlins surprised a lot of people. Had those COVID issues at the beginning of the year. Got into the playoffs. Beat the Cubs in the first round of the playoffs. Eventually lost to the Braves, but – Great year for the Marlins, their best year since 2003. And then the American League, Kevin Cash. And, yes, there was one bad movie made in the World Series. That doesn't take away from the, from the year the Rays had or the job he did with the Rays. He did a great job 
both both of those awards deserved. And I really want to pick anyone else in either league to win those awards. Yeah, Don, to be able to put that Marlins team in the playoffs and get them a playoff win or a series win, yeah, um, such a great job by Mattingly. He's been such a great manager for so many years in this league. Um, very deserve it. And yeah, Kevin Cash is you know great all year with that payroll that they have and that roster, and they don't have too many superstars. Um, yeah, you know he made the horrible move in the World Series, but I know they don't count that for the voting here for man for manager of the year. So um, they have the one seed to have with that roster with to have nine pitchers, you know, on the IL too, and be able to be so good still in the rotation and back in the bullpen. Um, yeah. Such, um, both those guys deserved it. We go to NL MVP and it was between right now it's between Freeman Betts and, uh, Machado as finalists. I wouldn't give it to Betts because he got off to a slow start this year, even though he got hot for the Dodgers late and they got to the World Series. Machado, I thought he had pretty good numbers, 16 home runs, 47 RBIs, hit over 300. But the guy I would give it to is Freddie Freeman. You know, 13 home runs, uh, 53 RBIs, hit 341. I, I, I give it to Freddie Freeman because I think he had the best year out of those three guys. And one guy that should have gotten some consideration is Marcelo Zuna, 16 yeah. home runs, 58 RBIs, hit, hit over three – I think he hit over 340 as well. But – I think a lot of the argument is Freeman gave him protection. So, but my MVP is Freddie Freeman. What's yours? Yeah, I like I like Freddie too. Um, I, I got him winning as well. Totally, yeah, he had a great year. And adding Ozuna to that lineup um, just helped the both of them out. Um, and especially Freeman too for you know before the year when he came down with COVID and was really not doing well uh, and be able to come back and play like the way he did. Um, it's a great story, especially for the Braves, too. You know, with their pitching, they still got that two, you know, they're still a two seed. And, you know, um, they were really one game away from going to the World Series. Um, he had a great year to um, finally got out of the NLDS this year. So, yeah, I really like Freddie Freeman. I think, you know, he deserves to get it. AL MVP, and the three finalists are obviously DJ LeMayu, Jose Abreu. And Jose Ramirez, but obviously the winner of this award has to be, has to be uh, Jose Ramirez. I mean, he had 19 home runs, 60 RBIs, hit 317. I mean, if you look at the other two guys, DJ, he had a great year, but he only had 10 home runs and 27 RBIs. Uh, Jose Ramirez uh, hit, hit 277 with, and I honestly think Luke Voigt should have gotten more consideration than Jose Ramirez, but. My MVP, and it's and it's been this for a while. My AL MVP is definitely, absolutely. Uh, Jose Abreu. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The 19 home runs, um, and really for Indians lineup too, that really struggled. Um, you know, he was that one big piece because Lindor, Lindor kind of had his struggles this year with most of that lineup. So he was kind of that huge, huge part, along with the pitching staff, to get those guys. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, um, DJ, yeah, we know how important DJ LeMay is as the Yankees. You know, I absolutely know that with the con- – Oh, so stop it with DJ LeMay. Oh, okay. Jose Abreu clearly, clearly had a better year than – I mean, I, yeah, no, DJ had a great year. But uh, where would that White Sox team be without Jose Abreu? There's, they definitely don't make the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. They, do, they do not make the playoffs without question. He hit for power. He hit for average. I mean, LeMayu was great, but he didn't hit for – he doesn't hit for power. Um uh, Abreu hits for more for power. He's clearly the MVP without argument. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think. Um, 
Oh, Joe, Joe wants to jump on. Go ahead. Let me just make a quick point here. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And, yes, and yes, again, yes. you you know me, and yes, you know yes. this isn't like some Homer, you know, okay, Yankee. Gotcha. You're you're comparing a first baseman and a third baseman with a second baseman, a leadoff hitter with a with a three hitter on both teams. Is that correct? Are they both yeah. the three hitter on their teams? I, I get it. Yes, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you, you cannot. I mean, this is like comparing a wide receiver to a running back. And being like, well, the running back had eighteen hundred yards on the ground. The, the wide receiver only had twelve hundred. So I guess he's not as good. You you can't you can't compare that like that. To hold the home runs against DJ's ridiculous. Neither one of those guys is as good a hitter as he is. So drop them both down a notch. There's nobody. Look at the numbers as far as runners in scoring position and the clutch situations. If people are going to pretend that they're analytics darlings these days and not acknowledge what DJ LeMahieu does from the one spot, I have to say I'm a little disappointed, and I got to make that case. I will now step aside as you boys finish the show. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Joe, Joe made his case yeah. for a DJ LeMahieu. I mean, it's 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 close, but I got to take the guy that could do everything well, and I got to go with the Brave. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm going with him as well. I yeah, barely. You know, I would love. I know, I would love to take Lemayu. You know, because yeah. he is such a huge. Because look, if he's not in the Yankees lineup next year, they lose him. Yeah, you know, I, I'm very very worried about you know the direction of that lineup. Um, but I think yeah, the way that uh, he goes, defense doesn't matter. I, yeah, all right. Yeah, Lemayu's defense is great as well. It's close. But you've convinced me a little bit, but you're not going to convince me all the way. I'm still going with the Brave. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with him too. Just um, the way that, yeah, because of the way our um, and you and you know who's going to win the award. You know the BBWA hates the Yankees. You know they're going to give a Brave the award. Let's be honest. Yeah, they will. Um, I they, you know for them getting finally getting back to the playoffs this year, um, it's. Yeah, because yeah, you know, um, he's just yeah. It, to be a huge part of that team, you know, because um, Luis Robert got hurt, um, you know, just to get him back to the playoffs, I think was huge. His numbers were, yeah, you know, he had a big monster year, and he has for the last few years. It's finally like, he kind of got the rec- recognition he deserved for playing for a White Sox team for so long that has kind of been in rebuild mode. Um, but it, it, it's close between me. With that and DJ, but I kind of got a, a Brayu barely the edge there. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's definitely it's definitely close between the two. But here's one thing I would say for the uh, as, as, for for the Yankees, Luke Voigt should have definitely been considered. It's more in depth. Yeah, yeah, he definitely should have. I I'm surprised he wasn't. Um, and I don't even think he won the Silver Slugger either. For I well, I guess from you know Brayu won it, but yeah, yeah, because. You know, when when everybody was hurt, Voight was really the only one in, you know, Voight was just pretty much clearing the, the Yankees. I know they were struggling for that time, you know, for a point, but he was kind of the one bright spot on that team for, for, for a few weeks. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely, definitely should have. I was kind of surprised he didn't. Um, but, yeah, he definitely should have got more recognition, recognition than he deserved, than he got. Definitely deserved more. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. There, without without question. 
But we got to get to uh, we got to get to the NL Cy Young. It's between uh, you, Darvish, uh, 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 Trevor Bauer, and Jacob Degrom. And if I had to pick between the three, I think they're they're both great pitchers. I think Degrom's the best out of, of all of them. But in terms of the entire season, who had the most wins, who had the best ERA, I'm going to give it to you, Darvish. Degrom didn't have enough wins, so I wouldn't like the fact that I would not be happy if he, if he got his third straight Cy Young. And the same thing with Darvish. You know what I mean? The same thing with Bauer. So I'm going with you, Darvish, in the NL. You know, I'm going to take Bauer um, because the way he, you know, on the short rest, he comes back and pitches regular season. Um, such a low, his ERA was low. Look, you know, Udarvish had a great year, and I know um, it, it was great to see him kind of a bounce back year and kind of look like the form that he did with Texas. Um, but, I, you know, and I know the Reds rotation, too, was so good with him, yeah, um, Castillo and Gray. But I just thought he was the most dominant pitcher that we saw this year. I know the win-loss record, you know, he's 5-4. and four. I know you can kind of make the same case with oh, what you do with the ground. But I just saw his stuff this year, and I just thought overall he was just the best overall pitcher in the National League. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And we got to go to the AL Cy Young. And here's another thing, and I'll defend the Yankees here. This is a, a reason why the BBWA hates the Yankees. I know Garrett Cole didn't have the year just uh, maybe Shane Bieber had, but still, he should be one of these. He should be one of the one of the candidates for this for the AL Cy Young. Yes, the beginning of the year he was red hot. He did that that stretch uh, uh, late uh, August, early July, where uh, where it doesn't. It, he didn't pitch as well, but still, he should be in consideration for this award more than uh, Hinjin Ru, and even more than Kenton Maeda. Even though Maeda had a really good year, Ru had a really good year. Garrett Cole should have been in consideration. And if you saw Game One of the first round in the first round, uh, Cole completely outpitched Shane Bieber. But for the Cy Young, it's it's how well you pitched throughout the entire year. And even though Bieber was absolutely pathetic against the Yankees in the playoffs, I'm gonna pick Bieber to be the Cy Young here. Yeah, Beaver was just, you know, unbelievable. So but, you know, I know 60 games, but he still did win the pitcher um, triple crown again. Who knows what happens at 162? But yeah, he was phenomenal. The 81 record, a 163 RA, 122 strikeouts. Um, you know, he he was the best overall pitcher in baseball this year. Um, Again, yeah, you can even make the case because he played in the, in the in the central, and he just, you know, really the only competition was. You know, I guess the White Sox and Twins, and that that's really about it. And then the National League side, National League Central, you know, isn't great either. But I still thought, you know, he he was the best pitcher throughout the regular season. Definitely Cole should have been in the top three. But, yeah, you know, I for some reason, uh, the Raiders, so she, they're not big fans of the Yankees. Yeah, but, yeah, oh. you know, maybe it's more motivation for Cole. So maybe it's even better. It's more motivation for Cole next year. I bet if this was a full season, Cole would have won the Cy Young. Yeah, I think – yeah, because he started to settle in late in the year, which is great, and it was a great sign. He started to pitch better. But, it, it you know, usually Cole – you know, Cole's one um, – his base kryptonite is just giving the home run ball, and I felt like he did a much better job eliminating that towards the end of the season. So, yeah, I could – I definitely think he would have. I, you know, I could have saw him pull out, you know, eight and nine straight um, – Winning big, you know, winning decisions. So yeah, I, I think he definitely would have because I think Bieber, you know, if he had to face the AL East and the AL West, I think his ERA definitely would have gone up a little bit more. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Bieber, big reason Bieber had the RA he had was because of the divisions he faced. But Cy Young, you got to give it to the guy with the best year. And statistically, Bieber had the best. Even though it was a sixty-game season and only pitched, he only pitched twelve games. He had the he had the best year yeah. out of everyone. But yeah, that's gonna, yeah. yeah. What did you say, Justin? Yeah, um, I would just say yeah. You know, I I know sixty-game season, but he was definitely the best one out there for the. He was definitely the best one for the 12 starts, no matter who we faced out there. Yes. So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking NBA draft, NBA free agency, and week 11 of the NFL season. Have a great weekend, everybody.